Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Wednesday, April 29th. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas. They help us so much. And you can share your story by emailing us or better yet, record a one to two minute voice memo and send it to ProducersHappyHour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, ProducersHappyHour.com. And please share the show with your friends, family, colleagues. We want these stories to be heard. We think they're important and they've been helping us. So we hope that they're helping you as well. Yes. And today we are chatting with the amazing experiential director, a true creative mind, Yehuda Duenas. Ah. I'm this one. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we both had the good fortune to work with, in fact, together on a yeah. very elaborate project. A very elaborate a project. Uh, Yehuda is great. He has such a different perspective. He's kind of at that other end of <laughs> creative, which is amazing <laughs> to work with somebody like that because in the end, you know, you have to creatively produce them. Yeah, you do. And it's a different approach. You mm-hmm. know, somebody's like, they just want a nuts and bolts producer, stay out of the way of the creative Yehuda's, Yehuda likes a creative producer to be partnering with him on projects. Yeah, yeah. it's re- very rewarding because, you know, you're listened to as a producer. All right. So, Christian, it is Wednesday, mm-hmm. week seven. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Things are shifting, right? Th- things are shifting, I feel. which Yeah. You know, we're all going to react to it in our own way. I've heard on the side from a lot of people that uh, they're not ready. Yeah. Because they're concerned about what we're going to be, the world that we're going to go back to. And they're also Mm -hmm. concerned about their safety. So I had a lot of talks going on. I'm glad we're doing this because it's really confirming some of the fears that I have. Um, Not thinking that they're valid, but still. Yeah. Which Which are what? I know we've talked about them, but the fears are um, opening too soon. Being the one to have the job and calls the crew and the crew feel obligated for a couple of reasons. Either they need the money or because you're the one asking or and I never yeah. want to put anybody in any kind of danger or their families. You know, that's mm-hmm. not what we do. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't see where you can cover every single. I mean, it's not it's a airborne disease is not bloodborne. I mean, yeah. you, you just can't protect the entire air around everybody. <laughs> so until I see a better plan or more solid guidelines or safety measures, or it just makes me nervous. That's all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we've seen the AICP yesterday. They put out some guidelines. They did. Nothing groundbreaking there. No. Nope. All the same stuff we've kind of been thinking of. And, you know, to be honest, it's all in theory because we've not done it yet. It's all in theory. I know. Yeah. Our whole, know. you know, I kind of feel like our lives right now <laughs> are kind of in theory. <laughs> we've never done this before. Uh-huh. And I, it's I'm getting back to it and everybody's ideas. I, I get them. I get it. But uh, yeah. we're all kind of living in a in theory world right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some people out there shooting, but we don't know. There's some people out there shooting, I'd imagine. I, I Yeah. If you are and you want to be anonymous, give us a ring. <laughs> We'd love to hear <laughs> what's happening. How are you doing it? Yeah. Well, what we are going to do, though, is we are gathering some 
crew members, below the line crew members, to mm-hmm. do some crew safety roundtables with us. Right. So we can voice, because we, you know, everyone's putting out these parameters, production companies, entire countries, AICP, but I haven't seen anybody really talking to crew. Maybe they are behind the scenes, I don't know. But we want to do crew roundtables where people get a voice their opinion on what they need to see happen before they return to a film set. So if you want to join the discussion here on the podcast, email us, producershappyhour at gmail.com, and we'd love to have you on and have a chat. Yes, it's very important because we have to feel comfortable. I mean, I, if I'm the one implementing this or making sure that the guidelines are being adhered to, I want to make sure that I've heard yeah. everyone's voices. So I yeah. need them. It- Let's go. It's important. It's <laughs> exactly. Important. Yeah. <laughs> How are you today? I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm also kind of, yeah, I don't know, reacting to, the, we're in this different phase right now of this thing, right? Now there's more protests and much more desire for things to kind of get back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm hesitant about work, the kind of work we do, because I don't want to get it wrong. If we get it wrong, somebody gets sick. Right. It's very different than if we get it wrong, ew, whoops, maybe, you know, we spent a little too much money on the camera budget and we could have, tr- you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, this is a much different thing. You know, it's like, oh, that permit didn't come through. We have to change that location. Right. Uh, you know, big deal. You still get your thing. Mm-hmm. If this, if we do this wrong, <laughs> somebody gets sick, somebody can get their family sick, somebody mm-hmm. can get an elderly person sick. And worst case, somebody can die. Not to be an alarmist. This is what we're dealing with is people's health. And that's a very different, very different set of responsibilities Yeah, as producers, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we so won't that, even know for three weeks. We know that it's super contagious, but it's got a very long incubation period. So <laughs> it's just, it's very risky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now you got an antibody test yesterday. Is that correct? I did. Tell us all about it. So I had my intake on Monday over the phone. Then I went to my doctor's office in Park Slope where she has a courtyard. She's, you know, in the basement of a townhouse, which is kind of standard in Brooklyn, you know, to where doctor's offices are. And she has a courtyard out back that she set up a tent, covered everything in plastic so it could be (laughs) down. She was in a face guard with the plastic. She had the mask on. (laughs) She had her hair covered. She had every like head to toe with like extra gloves, um, like with her gown, you know, everything. And she had marks on the sidewalk outside the courtyard where people would stand. And she had appointment every five minutes. Now, when I got there, there was nobody there and nobody waiting which was amazing i'm because i was in there all of 45 minutes and all we did was a blood stick and she you know drew my blood sealed it up and i walked out i wore a mask and gloves of course just you know i was outside and that's what you should be doing and she said that i should have results back by friday and even though the test takes less time to develop it's just the amount of backlog that's at the sites, at the laboratories. Right. So that was that. I mean, it was super easy. And I am looking very much forward to getting the results back just as curiosity, because at this point, we don't know enough to know whether they mean anything or not. I guess yeah. I would just be curious to know if I have antibodies, that means I've had it. Right. 
at some point. At some and point, I got it. I know you had a little cough last week, but we don't. You don't seem to I think, think that was. That I mean, was it. I think it's fatigue, and I think it was my lack of sleeping, and then the addition of you know getting the kittens. Uh, I mean, there was just so many different things happening during that time that uh, you know I think it was that, but you never know. It could have been, could have been. So right, nothing. I've had nothing since December of. Or before that even. So you'll let us know the results on Friday's show if you get them early enough for when we record. Yeah. And she told me in New York right now, testing is available for people who do and do not have symptoms. So folks in New York, if you feel you want to be tested, you can just contact your doctor. Or you can get them directly from several labs. I think Quest Labs is doing it, Quest Diagnostics and um, LabCorp. Mm -hmm. So check it out. Did you hear about Germany? They're starting to open? I hear they're starting to open. I didn't hear it's like full on back to normal. It's not. But okay. they started to open because they had the spread was 0.70%. So basically every person who has coronavirus would infect 0.7 people. So less than 1%. Mm. And in the 7 or 10 days that they've been opening, it's already ticked up to 1%. And that is a very rapid rise, apparently. They were cautious. They were doing it correctly. So I'm just, you know, I'm looking 10 days ahead of Georgia and Tennessee and, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're obviously not being as cautious. So it's interesting the arc the show has taken and people might be wondering why we're talking about states opening and not film production. But I think it all relates to our eventual reopening and how we're starving for information about the virus and how it transfers from person to person, symptomatically or not, because that affects how we're going to behave on set. Right. Right. It does. And we'd seen a few posts yesterday from our community that, hey, any production managers or producers in Nevada or Atlanta Uh or Georgia, like, how's the film community there and such? And I think we saw several responses that were like, we're not opening yet. (laughs) Yeah. Despite what our governors say. Yeah. It's interesting. I think the way cities and states open and what we learn from all this Mm -hmm. testing and antibodies and all that, you know, we've been hypothesizing what film production could look like for the past six weeks but really until we have this information that's uh, that's what's going to inform how it's going to work should we uh get to our interview christian with yakuda awesome so first go to our take action page on our website producershappyhour.com there we list a lot of resources for you a lot of petitions you can sign a lot of opportunities for you to donate or volunteer a lot of very important organizations there please check them out Now, one of the things that I will learn when I receive my test back is if I have antibodies. And if I do, Mm -hmm. then when I donate blood, platelets will be very important to somebody who's sick. So it's an opportunity for you to do what you can and you're all making blood on your own. So (laughs) may as well give some of it up. You don't need all of it and you'll make more of it. So it'll be perfect. (laughs) So check it out. Donate blood. Save the post office. Donate your unused laptop. Lots of opportunities there to help other people in need. All right. Yehuda Duenas is a primetime Emmy Award-winning experiential director with a focus on immersive new media, storytelling, and technology. He also works as an intimacy coordinator and director for film, TV, and theater. Yehuda has directed shows, experiences, and commercials with online view counts in the 
hundreds of millions. Ooh. His, I know, his <laughs> clients have included Google, Walt Disney Imagineering, Comcast, HBO, Showtime, MGM UA, the Ad Council, Droga 5, and he's directed experiences for properties and brands such as Game of Thrones, Billions, Audi, JetBlue, Dixie, and Cafe Pacific, among others. Wow, that's a laundry list. That is. <laughs> Let's take a listen. So thank you for joining us today, Yehuda. Before we start, I'd love to know how you're doing, how your family's doing. Like you're in LA, right? Downtown, you mentioned. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm in Los Angeles, downtown LA. And I'm very thankful my people and family are doing well. We have a little pod of uh, three families. We're homeschooling our kids together. Is it in your building? I mean, are you in a building that has that? Okay. No, they're, uh, I, I'm downtown and the people that I'm potting with are in Highland Park and South okay. Pasadena. Mm-hmm. It's been really fortunate. It's been amazing. It's 10, 10 people, including the three kids. And so we're just being extremely careful about what we do, not seeing anyone else aside from each other. And when we see each other in person, we don't really, some of us in the group don't have a lot of connection or communication. But we're doing it so that the kids can have some sort of mm. stability and home. They don't understand. And, yeah. How old are they? Yeah. There's two seven-year-olds, mm-hmm. and my daughter just turned 13. That's fantastic. Um, so she had a COVID, COVID birthday. And so we had oh. a little quarantine party where people came to our walkway and said we scheduled people in 20-minute sessions. Oh, that's so cool. And they came and sang to her from the walkway in her second-floor window, and it was really super sweet. So I feel very fortunate. You know, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm able to observe the world and mm-hmm. not have any, you know, knock on wood, very sort of immediate threats to the people that are in my very close circle. My parents are okay. They're up in Santa Clarita. Mm-hmm. So thank you for asking. And uh, yeah, feeling feeling fortunate and very curious about everything that's going on. Yes. Just as a side note, I remember my 13th birthday as a girl. Yeah. So it's really lovely that you made it special for her because yeah. it is a very special birthday. I know it is for everybody, but especially for um, girls, it's a big one. So that touches my heart. Yeah, that's really sweet. There was a, a birthday party here on our block here in Los Feliz where they had cars come by. And so they sat on the front. They had balloons and signs. (laughs) Kid was probably, I don't know, maybe 15, but they had just cars go by. And they must have been in at the fire truck because they had a fire truck come through and uh, bring everything. (laughs) It was pretty cool, but just to see. And then all the neighbors came out and it's like, we've never met anybody on this block except maybe three of them. (laughs) So it was just lovely to see everybody all kind of out and like yelling happy birthday. That's really sweet. It's uh, interesting how communities are coming together in a very different way. Yeah, new new communities are forming and it's very interesting. We're, We're human beings who need connection and contact. And so this is forcing us into still needing to satisfy that urge and need. Right in so many different ways. And so I see a lot of creativity, new type of creativity. And obviously there's no replacement for the real thing, being in space together and holding someone that you love. And my heart really goes out to people who are, you know, estranged from loved ones, estranged from family, Mm -hmm. people who can't, can't be with the people that they really care about. My parents, for example, are dying to give my daughter a hug. 
I'm sure. Uh, and, and so I really see, and there's, I see genuine, you know, a type of suffering there mm-hmm. on their part. And so I, 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 there is so much suffering happening at the same time. And so I'm, I feel that and I feel very, uh, my heart goes out to so many people mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. We talk about it on the show. You know, it's, it's easy to sit around and say, you know, it's time to regenerate and renew and be creative. Meanwhile, there's a lot of sickness yeah. and death and impending poverty and people that can't buy groceries. So, you know, we always acknowledge that. It's hard um, to find the, the balance because, between the two. Yeah. Yeah. And also just anxiety management, I think, oh, for all yeah, for all of us. <laughs> Self-medication yeah. is what I call it on my end. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> I mean, just just the feeling of like, oh, you know, our industry will it'll, it'll fire back up by the end of the summer or something. Who really knows and who really knows, who what, knows? What's, what that's going to look oh. like and how that's going to happen and. How many people? How, yeah. Yeah. I, I do think it will eventually go back to some semblance of normal. Like we will overcome this, like we've overcome so many other mm-hmm. events as human beings. Yeah. Well, I want to dive into all that with you and creativity. But first, I want to back up and kind of start. What were you doing? What was in your world at the time, right as the pandemic was starting to take hold and you re- started to realize? Something serious was happening. Were you on a project? Were you working? Were you just with your family? What was what was going on in your world at that time? I was I was with my family, and also I was yeah I was poised. There was a couple of jobs that were about to happen. We were pitching on an experience for the Beastie Boys documentary that just came out. I think I was asking to bring you in on it, actually, Lawrence. <laughs> yes, we we had a little chat about yeah. that. Yes. And so the Apple like immediately shut that. I, I think that there was just a moment where there we, we had just, you know, communicated with the agency and, you know, got a great treatment and pitch in. And they said, we're, we're, we can't do this. We're, we're preemptively. I feel like it was one of the earlier things to kind of preemptively shut down. Then sort yeah. of in a panic, I got a call. I work as an intimacy coordinator as well. Right. And so I, I mm-hmm. coordinate and direct and choreograph intimate scenes, sex scenes, simulated sex scenes, simulated nudity scenes for film and television. And I just, you know, I booked a gig in Tokyo for a Michael Mann shoot that I was really excited about. And, you know, they were trying to really get me in there under the wire, feeling like that things were about to sort of, and so I was, I had just been to New York for an intimacy coordinator training and had just come back and yeah, got this call and it was, Fantastic. I was super excited, read through the scripts. I went shopping for a lot of intimacy gear that we need, you know, modesty garments and stuff like that. And my flight was the next day and I'm packing the night before and I get an email from the production saying we're we're pausing the production for the time being. And so, yeah, I think these are stories that everyone everyone has had mid-production things shutting down pre-production things shutting down this particular project in Tokyo was already in, in full stride they already in you know many weeks into a shoot and so I was sort of coming on already while they were already shooting so you know when Tokyo opens back up and I think that we can all you know start getting back to work I think that the production should fire back up again but who knows I don't know and I don't know what that will yeah. look like. Nobody knows. But, you know, exactly. even with the conversations that I've been having with the, you know, handful of intimacy coordinators that exist in the world, what intimacy will even look like on screen yeah. and on, you know, like yeah. how that will happen. I do feel like it will get back to some semblance of almost normal of eventually. 
I think it will just take some time. And time for production to figure out in general how it's going to come back and what it's going to look like. You do a lot of experiential work, and that's kind of your main thing. How has this changed you? You know, we could go on and on and talk about what's safe to do and what's not safe to do. And I think all that stuff will get figured out. Mm -hmm. But like, how do you think this has changed you creatively? Has this opened you up to new possibilities for branded experiential or does it feel stifling or unrealistic right now? What, what, what are your, what's your thinking? I've seen a lot of really interesting creative projects happen. I've attended a lot of performances on Zoom, you know, people's, who, right. people's performances who were canceled, particularly in the art world here in Los Angeles and also in New York City. And so I've attended a lot of different Zoom performances. And I think that it's a really interesting format. I also see that because now we have to communicate over video chat, I've been communicating with so many more, and this is probably everyone's story, you know, a lot of people's stories that communicating with so many more people than I would Mm -hmm. have and also see how easy it is. And also how creative people are being with these platforms. And so I think that it's really interesting. And I feel like there is so much more opportunity to connect with people over a digital platform, possibly more so than I participated it in. I see a lot of people walking down the street FaceTiming and I'm like, why would you, if someone like cold <laughs> FaceTimes me, I'm like, what, what do I look like right Not now? Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, huh? <laughs> Not anymore. Like I'm like, oh great, a cold FaceTime. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I get to see somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so I feel like for me personally, it's sort of changed my perspective in that way in terms of that digital communication is communication, obviously. I mean, we communicate Mm -hmm. digitally all the time. However, I don't know, for me personally, if digital communication ever really filled the need for contact, you know, for like personal human to human contact. Mm -hmm. Talk to friends on the phone, FaceTime with people. I would do obviously a lot of, you know, internet chats and and you know, Zoom meetings and G chats for work because we need to meet, right. but we're separate. But now there's just Different the actual, like, I, I just need to be a human and to need to be social yeah. and to see people reaching out. My concern about these is that when I meet you in a park, you know, or in a public place, we're in, on public property and we can have our own discussions and, mm-hmm. you know, we're sort of free to roam and do what we want. When we meet, in the digital space, we're on private property, like we're on an ISP's private property, we're right. in Zoom's private, right now we're in mm. Squadcast's private property. Right. Yeah. And so I'm really curious about the platforms that we're on. Obviously, there's been, you know, like just the Zoom bombing and like all of that, know. you know, like all that yeah. stuff has been, that's been happening is sort of an interesting form of sort of digital vandalism or, you know, it's, but it really sort of brings up a deeper question, which is, you know, these platforms that we take for granted, mm-hmm. we live inside of these spaces. And so sort of we're owned in a way, you know, like in our communication mm-hmm. is right. owned in that way. And so it brings up a lot of, it's very those, those, yeah, those kinds of questions for me. I think, too, having, you know, worked together, uh, knowing, too, that you're an intimacy coach. I mean, it's, it's, you are a hands-on <laughs> kind of guy, meaning, like, you know, you're warm and you're friendly and I feel like I'm the same way. So I miss that so much. Just being able to be around somebody that I don't know and getting to be close to them or somebody I know and being close to them, I can't do that right now. I mean, and I'm starved for it. So, yeah, I jump at the chance to get on a cold FaceTime call, (laughs) right? 
I'm kind of at a loss mm-hmm. on how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And that's been part of the anxiety, I think. And also, too, the worry about going back to work and having to implement, you know, all these things that we're told. So, like, how are you coping right now? You know, I feel like I'm in a fortunate situation because I have a few people around me that I can yes. actually be in physical mm-hmm. contact. I have my daughter, I have my co-parent, mm-hmm. I have my partner. You know, I have this sweet pot of of people yes. around that's very supportive. And mm-hmm. so I'm really lucky. Every day I at dinner, I say I'm so, or whenever I just say I'm, I'm, I am so grateful for the situation that I've landed in, in this, in this pandemic. At the same time, I absolutely, I hear it in your voice, Sister Christian, and really empathize and have such compassion for that need because I know how important it is for me personally. And even just, you know, see, I'm fortunate my parents are alive and that I, I have close with my parents, not being able to see them, not being able to really be there for them. We go over to their house sometimes and stand across the yard and, you know, yeah. 15 mm. feet away and have- May I you know, ask how old they are? They're in their mid-70s. Yeah. Yeah. 74 and 76. And you're right. I, I work in experiential. I, I like, and mm-hmm. I work as an intimacy coordinator. All of these things are about people they're mm-hmm. about proximity and connection. And skin. Yeah. It's, and <laughs> there's some skin involved. <laughs> some skin. Yeah. It's an occasional amount of skin, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's interesting with the intimacy coordination because a lot of it is also about boundaries. And I feel like that yeah. is something that yeah. we really need to you know, exercise right now is this idea of boundaries and what are mm-hmm. our personal boundaries, what will make us feel safe, what does make us feel safe, exactly. what will actually keep us safe. And so I feel like I'm trying to, through, through my own anxiety, which obviously we, I think that we all share a sense of anxiety over what's happening, through my own personal anxiety, I'm trying to look at this idea of, of boundaries and what that is. And I feel like this pandemic has imposed a new set of you know, problems to solve, a new, new sets of types of boundaries. Right. When I work in intimacy coordination, so much of it is about you know, having a conversation with the performers having a conversation with the director, the director says, this is my vision and this is what I want. And then I have a conversation with the actors or performers and say, so this, we all know this, we see the script, we see what's written. This is the director's vision. This is what the director wants. What are you comfortable with? Like, what are your boundaries? Like, mm-hmm. what can we do and what can't mm-hmm. we do? How are we going to make this feel safe? Right. Right. And I think that that work is something that is actually in the past, like maybe seven years of my life, I've been a very boundaryless person, mm-hmm. like not even knowing what my own boundaries are. Like, yes, I'll do anything. Right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll work at 4 a.m. on an 80-foot hour, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I'm the director, but you need me to rig something? Sure, give me the rent. I'll rig give it. Give me the rent <laughs> and a harness, and I will climb up the 80-foot tower and, you know, do it myself. And so I feel like, in a way, this pandemic, because it's, there's such a mortal affliction, and it, it's unclear what that is. For some people, it can be a horrible death of dying alone. Like they don't, you know, like you can't even have a loved one holding your hand as, as you die of suffocation. Oh. Oh. You know, I think that it, it's it, just it's, so horrible. Yeah. And then to other people that it doesn't really affect them, and they can be a silent carrier. I feel like the unknown nature of the sickness too is it causes a lot of fear yeah yeah it's it's terrifying i mean we, we've just been talking about it earlier today christian and i it's like there's so much unknown how are we supposed to 
reopen business and mm-hmm. go back to work. And, and yeah, and you know, we're usually the ones with the answers. And I think what I'm struggling with right now is, I think you mentioning boundaries. It's I ha- I don't know that I've had them before. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm struggling with now is actually figuring out how to tell somebody I've been working with for a very long time, whomever that may be, that no, like, no, I have a boundary now and I'm not going to be the same as I was before. I know that. Or it may take me a very long time to get there. But I understand now that I can have control over my own self and that Mm -hmm. I don't have to give it away. Absolutely. And, and I, I was doing that so much. Oh, sure. What do you got? No problem. Midnight emails? No problem. Like, whatever. On our last episode, I had such a great year work-wise, career-wise. At the end of it, I was just completely yeah. exhausted, <laughs> spent. Like, it damn near killed me just with anxiety. Right. Speaking of boundaries for an intimacy scene and boundaries for who we want to be and how we want to come out right. of this situation and work and go about our lives now that we've had this great pause. It's an interesting experience because I think we're all kind of understanding our new boundaries and what's important to us. In this industry, we're just trained to say yes. Like we need, you know, we need to satisfy our clients. We need to offer the most amazing club med buffet of creative options that they can choose from and always be saying yes. And there isn't a no. Something that's really interesting to me about the intimacy coordination work is that a performer has every right to say no. And like, that's something, that's something is the core. And actors don't want to say no because they want to work again. No one wants to be seen as difficult or causing any sort of hiccup or delay in a production because you want to work and you want to remain viable. And that does not mean that you have no rights. Right. And so uh, something that's been so powerful about the intimacy coordination work is really explaining to performers like you absolutely like you can say no. Like, can I stick my finger up your nose right now? And the answer is no. And like, so so you you have boundaries and you actually have rights as a performer on a set and a set of guidelines that we lay out that are really being formulated right now Mm -hmm. that allow you to take responsibility for yourself and to say, right. no, I'm not actually not comfortable doing that. And that's going to make me right. feel unsafe or trigger me in a certain way. Is there another way to do that? And from my perspective, right. there are so many ways to tell a story. There are so many ways to make a scene happen. There are so many ways to get the effect that we want. And one of my lines with this work is with the intimacy work in particular is that you don't have to see it, but you definitely have to feel it. And I think that there are so many ways to feel things. And that doesn't always mm. mean that you have to see it all. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the power that we have as storytellers mm-hmm. is the imagination of our viewers. I think it's the most powerful right. tool that we have. How do we spark the imagination of the people that are viewing or experiencing the work, the content that we're making? Mm-hmm. And so there's been something kind of empowering about that. Like when you now go into your local supermarket and someone is not wearing a mask, you're like, what the F? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Every time. Get away from me. Sir, please take a step back. Even in my building, we have an elevator. Like I was in the elevator with my daughter wearing our mask and someone was about to come in and I like put my hand up and was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. You know? I don't know you. I I have a boundary. (laughs) Whereas in the past, I would have just, 
you know, obviously an elevator wouldn't be a big deal in the past. I would have but, hung them. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> but in a, well, in a situation where I might have wanted to say no, I would have just bitten my tongue. Right. And now I think because there's this out sort of, of politeness, right, out of politeness or social mm-hmm. decorum or not wanting mm-hmm. to. But there's something really empowering about saying no, this is my this is my space, and it's kind of my favorite thing. Yeah, you're giving permission to let people express their boundaries, and I think this experience has now given people permission to express or explore their boundaries in brand new ways because we're all kind of starting from scratch. Absolutely, right? and I think some of the fallout from this is going to be that there's going to be different levels of fear and anxiety moving yes. forward. And they all have to be validated. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so like, mm-hmm. we might have a vaccine in 18 months. And, you know, I'd be like, I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. And someone might still feel like the social distancing, I feel like, is a form of trauma in a way that I think that people, yeah. there will be some PTSD from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know the, the extent of it, but I think that for some people, the isolation is actually traumatic. It's trauma inducing. Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some PTSD for people mm-hmm. coming out of this. And, you know, Yehuda, I'm in a couple forums now of people discussing how film production is going to come back to work safely. Mm-hmm. And everybody has a different opinion. Everybody has a, a different fear or a different experience or a different boundary. And so it's a mishmash right now of conversations about how to make it work. It's so interesting that you say that because I feel like we always exist in that mishmash of place and we're, there's this continual negotiation of what is correct and what we feel like is sort of a reality. But now mm-hmm. with this really stark consequence of the sickness that you could get, yeah. The lines around your own personal space, which could potentially be blurred in situations and, you know, to get something done or to get a job. I mean, you and I have been on projects together, Lawrence, where we've got someone else in the mix who what they're saying is clearly completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And because we are in the position that you and I are in the positions that we're in, myself as the creative and you as the line producer, we just have to say, okay, great. Whereas inside, what we're saying is, fuck no. You're wrong. You're totally wrong. And (laughs) and you're about to cost us a lot of money. But because of the structure, we just have to say yes. But now that like, maybe I feel like my health or my life or like, you know, it's not just my health, it's the health of my family and the people that I'm connected to around. I think that people will start taking a much sort of a harder stance. And so I think like the tools of negotiation and really like a lot of compassion, I think is very going to be super necessary Necessary. to just understand that, you know, people are trying to give people the benefit of the doubt and saying that, you know, people are coming from, hopefully people are coming from a place of, you know, wanting to do good and wanting to get things done, but then also understanding that, you know, people are operating with an increased level of anxiety and making space for that. I'm a very accommodating person too. I think it's so we're trained to yeah. do this in what we do, you know, it's like always accommodate. Right, right. We were just talking about this, I think in yesterday's episode, Christian, with Lisa Feldman, you know, the consequences is somebody's life. Yeah. Right. If something's right. wrong on set and we haven't taken care of everything. Yeah. Consequences, somebody getting sick, 
what concerns me the most, and I know I've been on this for about for several days now, but I, I can't shake it. The unrealistic expectations of, you know, trying to perform the way that we used to. Mm-hmm, things right. are going to take more time. Things are going to take more money. Clients are going to get less bang for their buck, as you say. Uh-huh. Managing those expectations because we are the ones who are going to be implementing the new guidelines. Mm-hmm, right. Have you noticed too at the same time though that, you know, I'm seeing like Saturday Night Live from the cast members as living rooms, you know, like everything is so different, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Everything is so different. You know, and I think you just posted something on Facebook, Lawrence, about like designer clothes, like who needs the designer clothes now? No one's going out, you know, there's there's a lot. Who's advertising? There's a lot of things that feel so different. And so I'm sort of excited to see what the new expectations are. And, yeah. and sort of how this has shown us a different side of our world. So, you know, like we're seeing everyone through screens on sometimes bad backgrounds, sometimes great backgrounds. <laughs> Not everyone is camera savvy, mm-hmm. but it's really about sort of this face on the other side of the screen and this, you know, this soul and this person and really trying to have a connection with them. I feel like mm-hmm. even the consumer expectation is now different. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how all of these expectations are now reordered and readjusted and how fast it'll just snap back to normal. You know, I'm curious about that. Right. You know, like in a a year and a half, we're going to be like, wow, I kind of, you know, as, as painful as it was, as much weird suffering and stuff as there was. And I'm sure some people are in situations where they never wish to go back to this. I can imagine some people being like, that was a really interesting, strange, quiet time. The air in Los Angeles is clear. I can get anywhere in 15 minutes in Los Angeles. 4 p.m. I could drive to Malibu and it'll take me 45 minutes from downtown. And it's not just traffic. It's not just air, but there's a whole, there's just a a different way of people relating and also understanding what is necessary and important. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the things that we think are necessary, important, when we really get down to it, might not be, and that's okay. And I feel like allowing for those things to change and to get to a space where we can understand what it is that we need in terms of connection, in terms of human beings, it might be a wonderful thing for the industry. Yeah, all of our priorities have shifted, our worlds mm-hmm. have gotten smaller, and we're really learning, being reminded what it means to be human. And somehow bigger too, like I have family in Israel, like I never FaceTime Nothing, with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. No way. I'm seeing so many people that I haven't yeah. seen before. And so it's really expanding the world in a way too, because there's nothing else to do except for reach. Out. I mean, there's lots of stuff to do, but in a way, you know, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, felt like we're like, well, I'm stuck at home. What do I do? I'm going to reach out to all the people that I know right. and see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. So there's been a real sort of reordering, reshifting of priorities, which has been super right. interesting. Along those lines, we like to ask if you have any advice, right? But I think that it's more about, do you have any advice for the creative folks out there who are craving that intimacy or connection or those human moments who maybe don't quite know or understand how to get it safely? Do you have any advice for those folks out there? Yeah, I think that right now, a friend put this to me very clearly and was saying that pleasure is one of the most important things that we can engage in right now. And I think intimacy and pleasure are so, I personally, in my life, think that they're so important. Mm -hmm. In terms of advice, I don't know. However, I would say that 
moving towards pleasure and, you know, being kind to yourself and to your body, to the people around you. My friends are, you know, who are singly quarantined and don't have a quarantine, uh, (laughs) as Dan Savage says, um, uh, (laughs) are dating, you know, and like having video dates with people or or going on distance walks. And I think that connecting with people in any way that you can, I, I personally think is really important. I think that, you know, some video sex is always like really, yeah. you know, something that's really great <laughs> and can be in order. I, mm-hmm. this, I, I see the opportunity for a lot of creativity. And I feel like how can listening to yourself and your body and saying, how can I get the thing that I need, even if I can't get it in the exact way that I need it and want it in this morning, right. in this moment. Allowing yourself to be open to the possibilities, basically. Yeah. And I yeah. think that, you know, we need to take a little bit of there are some personal risk. I, I don't mean taking, I, I was about to say we need to take a little bit of some risk right now. And I don't mean risk in terms of like, just go and see someone who's not, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't mean that kind of risk, but you know, putting out there, you know, with somebody that this is something that you do need and like really connecting with what, what it is that you're, that you need and want and asking for it and also giving it to you know the people around you and mm-hmm. asking people what it is that they need in this particular moment i don't know i think intimacy and pleasure are so important right. and they just you know that just makes things, <laughs> makes things better that's yes. my my personal thing it's not for everyone you know not everyone feels that way sure. and i think that people you know there's other priorities i think that if you can be kind to yourself give yourself right. a little bit of a break right now I hear people like, you know, if if you're not being productive and learning three new languages and like, you know, blah, 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 teaching yourself a new program or whatever, you know, then you're not taking advantage of this moment. You know, it's like there's a lot of instability, a lot of anxiety, a lot of insecurity. I think some deep breaths, connecting with people, some as much intimacy as you can have. I've been doing some interesting things on the video chats of like, let's light a candle together. You know, oh, like just do a thing that you're nice. that you're both yeah. doing in a similar space, and so then, yeah. you know, or dress up to have your video chat and create yeah. a nice background. Oh, yeah. that, you know, that, yeah, exactly. Put on put on your favorite outfit. Yeah, That's a fun put one. an outfit. Or I think that there's room for some creativity, and also I think there's really a lot of space for just understanding that people are in a lot of need right now, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of you know, again, just the the word anxiety has come up like thirty times in this conversation. It comes yeah. up so many times every day for us. <laughs> I think people need some soothing right now. And I feel like if you can provide that for someone and receive it in return, I think that that would be mm-hmm. a very important and special thing. And focus on pleasure, I think, is really important. We want to thank you so much for spending some time yeah. to chat with us today. <laughs> you really bring a very unique perspective to this yes. with, with your work as an intimacy coordinator. So it's we thank you for chatting with us. But what is the one thing that, you are most looking forward to once this, you know, it's not really going to end, it's going to change, right? But whether it's, you know, like your favorite drink at a bar or world peace, what is the one thing you're looking forward to coming out of this? I'm definitely looking forward to world peace now that you bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, let's let's, let's form a committee. I'm really looking forward. (laughs) I am looking forward to working again. That's one thing because I, I, I love what I do and I feel like what I do Mm -hmm. involves people and involves experience. 
So I'm looking forward to being in the same room with people. And was, I have this conversation almost daily. What's the first thing you're going to do? Not, not like mm. there's ever going to be like a first moment where it's like uh, open the yeah. door and run out. It's going to be, you know, obviously it'll be right. a gradual process. I miss traveling. I really love to travel. And so I feel like I would love to just go have brunch with my parents yeah. again. I would love to see some friends. And I, I think it's really sort of reordered some priorities. Sure, like I'd love to go get a drink at the bar that I like to do. But, you know, I've also been, I haven't missed eating out. Like I've been cooking and yeah. I, yeah, I, I personally know. haven't missed eating out at restaurants, though I, I really do want to support the businesses around me. And I'm definitely going yeah. to, you know, go and patronize some local establishments, especially with the ones that I love, hopefully if they're still there. And I hope, hoping that they are. Yeah. It's really kind of some of the little things, you know, the things that we take mm -hmm. for granted in terms of, you mm -hmm. know, just being out in the world, being among people, going to a concert, like being in a mosh pit in a yeah. concert. You know, can you imagine? Yeah. Like, I will, love a good mosh pit. Will that ever, ha will that ever happen again? <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, we were just, just drive, driving downtown <laughs> thinking of the Women's March. There was 700,000 people that first, right. that oh my first gosh. year. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I remember like it being sandwiched, you know, like there was yeah. only one way to go. It was like just like a vast sea of people being sandwiched. Mm -hmm. And I remember like inching closer and closer to Donald Sutherland, who's like six foot seven. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, part of the way I'm for like you. holy shit, like I'm getting closer and closer to Donald Sutherland <laughs> until the point where we're chest to chest being pushed up against each other. And I That's asked amazing. him, I'm like, you worked with Fellini. What was that like? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. No, no way. way. What did he say? He was like, he laughed and then we got pushed, you know, like it, it, it didn't, uh, didn't turn into a conversation. Right. It was like, we were being like pushed by the, by the forces of the crowd, of the crowds yeah. of people, right. which is such a, you know, that's a, one of the most joyous things is to be amongst our fellow humans and to connect. And so I, I hope that we get back to that. I hope that, you know, the kids growing up now who are sort of, Yes. Seeing this pandemic as sort of like a new normal. I hope that that is something that we can maintain in terms of something that we do. I, you know, I think it's so ingrained in us as humans to gather and to be, yeah. you know, to be social in that way. I can't imagine it not coming back, but then I kind of also can imagine it, you know, changing in that way, in the same way that 9-11 forever changed the way we deal with airports. And it's just, that's kind of normal. Still taking our shoes off. Yeah there's going to be obviously some lasting effects. I am looking forward to being around people again and to really getting into a room and being able to have close human contact without fear in the same way. Or yeah. hopefully it'll be fear like I got my flu shot. I still might get a version of the flu. Right. But it's something that it's a known quantity that I can now deal with. And yeah. I, I kind of think that we'll get to that point. Mm -hmm. Obviously don't know when. That's my personal feeling, but we'll obviously right. have to see. Yeah. I, I definitely want to be able to trust the person that I'm meeting or seeing or with. And mm -hmm. right now, I think I've lost a lot of trust too. like the person who's delivering the package or the, you know, mm. deli guy or whomever you have to deal with or the person walking towards you on the street. I know what I'm doing. I don't know what yeah, they're doing. We don't know what they're doing. And they can say, and that's, you know, another thing going back to work, like we're on our honor system. Mm -hmm, totally. Yeah. And so trust, I think, is a big one for me too. Yeah, we have a, a much different sense of responsibility now to the people mm -hmm. around us. And we just hope that everyone shares your values and not everyone shares the same values. No. And so that is something that the idea mm -hmm. of trust, I think, is a huge, it's huge mm -hmm. what you're bringing up. It's a whole nother episode. Yeah, a whole <laughs> episode. How, how, to, 
how to establish it, how to regain it, how to create a new sense of moral standing or something, you know, that you have to seeing yourself as part of a larger group. Like me protecting myself from the pandemic is not just protecting myself, but I think it's like if you you have it on average, Mm -hmm. you give it to 2.5 people. I don't know, some some statistic. Something like that. It was an older statistic, but I remember it. And that's a big deal. Like you give it to the wrong person and that can be, you know, life effect, obviously super life affecting. So it does show that we're part of a much larger group of people, which I think is beautiful. We're humans Mm -hmm. on on a planet surviving, you know, working to figure things out together and have a big responsibility to one another. And I think that that's hopefully a a wonderful lesson of this time. I know. I'm looking forward to that. Yehuda, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Yes, thank you for your time. Such a pleasure. It it's great yeah. to speak with both of you, and I'm honored that you asked me to come on. Again, I hate repeating myself, Lawrence. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I love repeating myself because I think I sound smart. Every time we hear one of these interviews, I hear something that I need. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm working out how I feel um, in, you know, here yeah here and on it the makes show. a lot in bound yeah the discussion of boundaries makes a yeah. lot of sense to me right boundaries now. and permission boundaries and permission yeah we're given it permission to voice and stand behind our new boundaries yeah. the unknown is that we're still discovering those boundaries because we still don't know how this virus proliferates through non-symptomatic people but boundaries and permission more than just work right you know Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) Like, for our lives, we now have new boundaries and the permission to explore them and express them. And that's really important. And to set them. And to set them, yeah. And I just don't know that even as adults that uh, in in the industry that we're in, that I felt comfortable doing it in a way. Of course, safety, you know, of course. Yeah, yeah. There's that. But there's always the need to figure out how to say yes when the answer should be no. Yeah. Which is, anyway. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Special thanks to Yehuda. Uh, he is such an amazing guy. He doesn't know this yet, but I am going to employ him to be my life coach. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> when is that? He doesn't okay, know, we, we he doesn't know this it. yet. I got to get a job first <laughs> and then I can afford. <laughs> no, he's got, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, now he's, he's a great a, guy and he's yeah. highly talented, highly yeah. creative and really gets the yeah. human experience, which is what makes him such a good experiential director. He does good human. He does good human. Yeah. He does. So, well, um, Lawrence, this show was edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our unused but amazing music was composed by Kyle Puccia. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, stay active, but please stay home. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, clean your damn phone, and if you do have to leave the house, wear a mask. Be sure to send us your voice recordings or emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how do people reach you directly? They can get me at lawrencetlewis.com to see all my producing work or for voiceover, voiceoflawrence.com. Christian, how do people get a hold of you? If they really, really need me, they can go to <laughs> sisterchristianproduces.com, but do not judge. You're updating it. It'll be sure. a new website soon. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Who are we kidding? <laughs> Subscription <laughs> challenge. Um, all right. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank I'll you. see you tomorrow. Bye. Okay, bye.